Joining us for a conversation is world-renowned resource stock analyst, Andrew Heck, to discuss oil and gas supply-side inflation. Mr. Heck, welcome to the show, sir. Hello, Maurice. It's a pleasure to be back with you. <laughs> it's a great time to be speaking with you to discuss oil and gas and the virtues of private energy investments. Let's start off with how oil fits in with your energy mix. Now, we know that the green revolution is upon us with solar wind and other renewable energy sources gaining a share in the energy market and there's no argument for the growth of the ev industry and its relevance going forward as the developed world is embracing the new economy of evs how long is oil going to be a relevant player in the energy space well we we have to understand maurice that shifting from traditional energy meaning oil gas coal is a multi-decade process. You know, if you look out in the street, I think if you go out to a major thoroughfare and you count the number of EVs that go by, I, I would venture to say that even today, probably five out of 100 are EVs and the other 95 are gasoline powered. And trucks are powered by diesel fuel and they bring goods and goods to market and um, certainly uh, planes are, uh, are uh, powered by jet fuel which is a distillate so it's a multi-decade process for the world to switch to alternative and renewable fuels but the u.s administration decided that they wanted to accelerate it um, and on uh, the first day in office, President Biden canceled the Keystone Pipeline um, last year in 2021. Um, there were a lot of uh, increases in regulation on fossil fuel production to encourage alternative and renewables. And, um, you know, U.S. production has declined uh, because of that. And investment in this sector has declined. But to answer your question, how long is oil going to be a relative player, a relevant player in the energy space? I would say for decades to come. You gave us four reasons for higher oil and gas prices in your recent article. Could you summarize and include your long-term macro story for oil and gas? Sure. Okay. So the first reason is is what I mentioned at the end of uh, my last uh, um, uh, uh, answer to, to the last question. The, the Biden administration's green initiative, uh, it favors alternative and renewable fuels while inhibiting fossil fuel production. U.S. energy policy since 2021 handed the pricing power of the oil market back to OPEC, the international oil cartel in Russia. And after years of suffering under low prices because of U.S. shale and gas production, OPEC plus now controls and supplies and owes the US and European consumers no favors. Um, production increases, the requests that the Biden administration made for production increases fell on deaf ears in Riyadh and Moscow and um, other production capitals. So that's really the first reason for higher prices. Basically, we went from energy independence in fossil fuels to again, depending on um, uh, OPEC plus for the marginal barrel. Now, that was last year. This year uh, created a whole new dynamic. 
The February 4th no limits handshake between President Xi and President Putin uh, created a bifurcation of the world's nuclear powers with the US and Europe on one side and Russia and China and their allies on another side. And Russia's invasion of Ukraine you know, uh, launched the first major war in Europe since World War II. And Russia, you know, sanctions on Russia and Russian retaliation have led to um, uh, energy distortions as Russia is a major oil and gas producer, producer feeding uh, natural gas to Europe and supplying oil to many other countries around the world. So the bottom line is that that no limits agreement set the stage for the invasion and the invasion and sanctions on Russia and Russian retaliation against what who they call unfriendly countries set the stage for much higher prices. But oil prices were already, oil and gas prices were already rising before, uh, um, you know, this, this, um, these problems, these geopolitical problems in 2022. So, you know, and that's the third reason oil and gas prices have been rising despite the COVID-19 lockdown in China, which is now, we're now coming out of. And when the China, as the Chinese economy reopens, it puts more upside pressure because of the number of people, you know, in China who consume fossil fuels. Uh, China is not 100% on board with the green path to energy, nor is India, which has not cooperated with the US and Europe with sanctions on Russia. And we have to remember, Maurice, that China and India account for more than one third of the world's population. And, and the, uh, they are both growing economies using lots of energy. So even if the US was to shift back to a drill baby drill or frack baby frack approach to traditional energy, it would have problems right now. There are labor shortages and higher input costs because of inflation. And moreover, the Biden administration has doubled down on its green initiatives, saying that, you know, no pain, no gain, that, you know, consumers have to take the current pain so that this transition can happen. Now, personally, not to get too political, but I think that's pretty short-sighted um, uh, a view and that, you know, changing energy policy is really a multi-decade rather than a multi-month month process. <laughs> I think many would agree with you. What are the short and long-term effects on the oil supply from the geopolitical events gripping Europe? Well, you know, look, <laughs> Russia is a big producer of oil. There are three big producers of oil in the world. Saudi Arabia is number one, Russia and the United States. In March 2020, the U.S. produced 13.1 million barrels of crude oil per day. Today, we're producing about 10.9 million barrels per day, 11.9 rather, million barrels per day, according to the EIA. So th the bottom line is less U.S. production makes the world, the U.S. and the rest of the world, more reliant on, on Moscow and Riyadh for oil. And Moscow is a big player in the gas industry supplying all of Europe. So war in Ukraine is weighing on Russian oil production. And, you know, the U.S. is now letting out um, our the oil from our strategic petroleum reserve to uh, keep prices down 
But hey, I've been trading oil since the 19, early 1980s, and I'll tell you this much, every SPR release has not uh, uh, put a cap on oil prices. And every barrel that we sell, we're gonna have to replace. So today's selling at a SPR just means we're gonna have to replace it in the days and years to come. So the short-term effects of war are certainly bullish for the oil price because of what I mentioned. The U.S. Uh, relations with the Saudis and the Russians naturally are not good. Um, so higher oil prices are to their benefit. I mean, Russia is funding their war with energy. And the Saudis, you know, after suffering, it, it takes about $80 a barrel to, to, to balance the Saudi oil budget. And at $120, it's, it's an earnings bonanza that they're not going to shut off anytime soon. It doesn't behoove them to do that. No, it doesn't make financial sense for them, nor does it make financial sense for us. <laughs> so, uh, sticking with oil prices, given that the oil prices are forecasted to continue their climb, what is the overall impact of the oil prices with the effects of inflation? And are there any supply side changes that will cool oil prices in your view? Okay. <laughs> It's a, it's a compound question. Mm -hmm. So first, oil prices. You know, inflation is a difficult beast to jab, to, 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 to tame, okay? So in my opinion, and this is one man's opinion, oil prices are critical, critical inputs in inflation right now. And the Fed is trying to use demand side tools, interest rate, policy, monetary policy is a demand side tool, okay? You raise interest rates, you stifle economic growth to slow the economy, to put a cap on inflation. The problem is that rising oil is a supply side issue caused by U.S. energy policy compounded by the war. I don't see the only supply side change that I can see that will cool oil prices is if the U.S. goes back to a drill baby drill and frack baby frack policy. And I do not see that happening in the foreseeable future unless the government changes. Um, so, so that's my answer there. I don't see a supply side change because I think they have bought in on the green revolution. As far as um, the oil's impact on inflation, inflation is a vicious cycle. And oil is feeding it. It's fueling it. And uh, since I don't see the demand side tools pushing oil prices uh, appreciably lower, I think that oil will continue to fuel inflation and it's going to be very difficult to contain. Now, the lay investor may want to, I guess, if you can say, uh, take advantage of these opportunities in the oil market. And they're going to look at general equities usually. But you have a, a treat, if, if I may say, for those that are listening here. How can an investor take advantage of this current oil pricing environment that appears to be with us for some time. Uh, there's some obvious public companies to invest in, but there seems to be an opportunity in the private sector. And I want to emphasize this on the private sector for investment, as well as given the inevitable increase needed in the domestic supply. What are some of the advantages of investing in a publicly listed company versus uh, as some of those that you listed in your article? And then we'll highlight those that uh, are the advantages and merits of the private oil and gas companies beginning with the public. So, so I highlighted the XOP, which is the kind of drilling and, and exploration ETF. The other one is the XLE, which is the highly liquid, you know, uh, ETF product that holds U.S. oil companies. 
And, you know, the increase in regulation has created a virtual monopoly for some of these companies because it takes a lot of capital to be in the oil business. And, um, you know, with an unfriendly regulatory environment, um, those who are, who are existing, who are well capitalized, can take advantage of these higher prices. But new entrants, it is very difficult for new entrants. And, and also, uh, get it, you know, with the labor problems, getting people to work for new companies coming on stream is very difficult. A lot of people who were working in the uh, shale regions, uh, you know, in the, in the Marcellus and Utica shale and in the other shale regions um, of the U.S., uh, lost their jobs in 2020 when crude oil went into negative territory and natural gas fell to a 25-year low um, and are now working for Amazon and other companies. Um, and it's very hard to bring them back to work. So, you know, there is a monopoly for the Chevrons, the Exxons, and they're, they're kind of a, a main holdings of these big ETFs that have done incredibly well. Uh, you know, the XLE, for example, it ended 2021 at $55.50 a share. Today, it's over $91 a share. And that's in a stock market that's down on the year, mm-hmm. Maurice. So, you know, the, these have done very, very well. And um, the only thing I will say about this is that the higher prices rise, and that's oil prices, gas prices, coal prices, oil st- equity prices. The, the the higher the chances of vicious corrections. However, the trends are higher, and I think that dips are a buy in this sector. Now, what are some advantages of investing in a private oil and gas company? Well, there are tax advantages, and there are certainly um, um, advantages if you do your homework to locate uh, um, good companies with good management, um, that uh, can can really can can take advantage of this current pricing situation. You know the the tax advantages uh, uh, to help de-risk an, an oil and gas investment. You know, depending on investors' individual tax position, and we always have to check with our accountants and tax attorneys in terms of uh, any investment that we do in a private company. Investors who have a tax balance owing during the fiscal year of their oil and gas investment have historically been able to write off over 70% of their investment against tax taxes that they owe. In other words, a chunk of your dollars previously earmarked for tax payments can instead see those dollars now invested in an oil and gas investment with potential to create cash flow income going forward. Now, that is under the current tax regime. But I will say there is a chance under this administration that that could change because of the Green New Deal that we're, we're under. We are, you know, the government is inhibiting fossil fuel production in the interest of the um, environment. So we have to be careful with those and we have to really pay attention to the ongoing changes in the tax code for these oil and gas investments. However, they can be very interesting and certainly at these prices, they're making money hand over fist and why not um, uh, have some some risk capital invested in this, you know, in this private, private area. 
You know, one of the virtues is the initial write-off of 70%, as you alluded to, and that's plus or minus there. But there's also tax savings on the potential income generated on the private energy investment. Is that correct? Yes. An investor, as, as an investor who invested directly in a well-born oil and gas asset can benefit by writing off the expenses of the drilling and operating costs against the investment income. And those, those costs, because of inflation, are rising. So those those investment costs, you know, the, those drilling and those fracking costs are going higher. So that is a write off, certainly on those private investments. But again, I urge, urge everyone to who's who's considering these investments to check with their accountant, to check with their tax attorney and to keep up. You know, you have to do your homework on these um, these these investment opportunities and these partnerships. But you also have to now keep abreast of the changes in the tax code and the changes in the U.S. energy policy, which are going to affect these investments. Now, that can change after the midterm elections and we could be very much status quo. But, you know, there are a lot of voices in Washington, D.C. that want to change um, everything and and kind of get the tax code more green, (laughs) if you know what I mean. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, if the... A value proposition of a private oil well is of interest to you. If you've been following our work, we have been conveying that we are participating in an oil well. If you'd like to get more information on that, please give me a call at 855-505-1900. That's 855-505-1900. Or you may email uh, contact at provenandprobable.com. That's contact at provenandprobable.com. Mr. Heck, thank you for your valuable insights today. Before we close, what did I forget to ask? Well, I was prepared for this because this is my uh, not my first rodeo with you, Maurice. (laughs) And I will say the following. I would one of the things I really would like to point out is where the seeds from inflation came from. Where did this all start? You know, why were oil prices rising before Russia went into Kuwait? And why were natural gas prices rising? And we talked about U.S. energy policy, which is certainly a a, a very important reason. But the inflationary seeds came from historically low interest rates that started in March 2020. Those were G, uh, those were modified, uh, um, uh, genetically modified by government stimulus packages that went, you know, to a ubiquitous audience. Look, I'll, I'll speak freely about this topic. My parents, who are in their 90s, uh, my mother-in-law, who lives with us, who's almost almost 90. Amen. Uh, they receive, amen. God bless them. But they received stimulus checks as did my children. They didn't need them, okay? They, they did not need those stimulus checks. So the kind, of, the, the kind of spraying of stimulus throughout the economy without really, I had no problem with giving stimulus to people who needed it to pay rent, to pay food, who lost their jobs. But it went far beyond that and it's created terrible inflation. And these poor people who received those checks will now for the coming years face much higher prices in food, in energy, in, in all goods and services. And these inflationary seeds, they 
sprouted in the second half of 2020. They bloomed in 2021. And in 2022, they were turbocharged by a war created by Russia, a terrible humanitarian issue going on in Ukraine, but also a problem for the world in terms of both energy and food supplies. And the inflation that started is being turbocharged by this war. So, and, and again, the, the, and as I mentioned earlier in the interview, the Fed has demand side tools. Monetary policy is a demand side tool. You can raise interest rates and that will stifle demand. But when you have supply side issues and you can't access cheap energy, you can't access food and feed people, this is a very, very dangerous type of situation which will fuel inflation. So the little seeds that the Fed planted and the government watered in 2020 gave way to the inflation last year and the war has only made it worse. And oil is on the front lines. Oil, along with food, along with wheat and soybeans and corn and other you know, food products that feed the world. And unfortunately, it's a vicious cycle that uh, I expect to continue here because the Fed alone can't, can't uh, end this. What can end it? If the U.S. drills more oil, realizes that we need to in, in order of world security, we need to, to uh, drill more. And we have to find a way to make peace in Europe because that is the critical thing right now that's really fueling this inflation. I say this in the most complimentary way, but I, I hate to agree with your analysis. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Heck, for someone that wants to learn more about your work, besides finding it on provenimprobable.com, where can they find you? They can find me on Seeking Alpha. I write there once or twice a week. They can find me on Bar Charts. I write there every weekday. They can find me on investing.com and um, on, through Bubba Trading, where I do a bu- podcast on Mondays. And, um, you know, I'm out there <laughs> writing about all these commodities. <laughs> hey, you do great work, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. Mr. Heck, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Wishing you the absolute best, sir. Thank you, Maurice. Look forward to next time. All the best, sir. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor. 